Hello, Internet. Welcome to another episode of the Get Geek podcast. Um, today, we're going to shift some gears a little bit. Things have been uh, a little crazy out there in the world, as all of you are somewhat aware. Um, some, some of the circumstances have affected us even in the recording of our podcast. We have uh, a virus going around. We have protests going on around the United States. And I know that this is a geek podcast, but um, we felt like it was somewhat of our responsibility to at least give our opinions on this, our civil opinions on this. So let's just uh, get right into the introductions real quick. I'm Jose. Uh, this is Gabe, also known as Wolfie. And this is Walt, also known as Walter. <laughs> um, so the three of us are going to be on the round table today. Uh, Eli and AJ are in here listening with us. Uh, they're a little bit younger, so they'd like to to take the time to listen to some opinions. Um and we, you know, we want to thank them for being with us, even though they're not going to join us on the podcast today. So thank you, uh, AJ and Eli. As usual, I want to mention, as I mentioned a moment ago, we are dealing with some sound quality issues. So please bear with us. We're recording remotely um, from three different locations. So if you do hear some sound quality issues, you know, if there's something that's really, really um, distracting, you can let us know. Uh, but we're doing our best to iron that out, and hopefully we'll we'll give you the best audio quality we can on this podcast. Uh, another reminder, please, if you can, like, rate, share, and subscribe our podcast on iTunes, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher, wherever your favorite podcasts are sold. We could really use your support, and that's the best way to support our podcast is to share and rate. And once again, I want to thank all those of you who have taken the time to like, rate, share and subscribe and listen to our podcast thank you to all of those out there who have taken the time to do that so uh let's get right into it the way that we're going to do this today is it's going to be a little bit of a roundtable discussion um we are going to give our opinions each of the three of us uh on everything that's going on really we could talk about anything today as it's a complete open a completely open roundtable discussion um and then once we've all given our our i guess overarching thoughts we're going to go ahead and get into any kind of questions and rebuttals. And I don't think I need to remind you guys because we're all friends and family here, but let's keep things civil uh, for us and to set an example for those people that are taking the time to listen. And thank you to our listeners again. So does anybody want to give some opening thoughts or should I, should I open things up? Uh. Why don't you go ahead and open things up? Okay, where where to even begin? <laughs> There's so much going on right now, right? Uh, as I said earlier, we have um, the COVID nineteen epidemic, which has shut down the world in a way that's unprecedented to any of us that are alive. I mean, you know, just to give a little background, I'm 40 years old. Um, and we're all around the same age here. Walt is a little bit older than, than I, but we're all essentially from a very close generation. Um, and it's been about 100 years, right, since the world has seen something to this extent. There hasn't been a, a, an event where there's been an international crisis of this scale. We've been through world wars. We've been through Vietnam. We've been through the Korean War, we've been through the Iraq War, the wars against terror. And 
still on the scale that all of those things that occurred and the the tragedy and the loss of human life, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic has shut down the world on an unprecedented scale. There's never been a lockdown like this in any of our lifetimes. Uh, most countries are participating in this lockdown. The economy is shut down. Uh, there's an unprecedented loss of jobs occurring right now as a result of this. Um, there, There is, and something that I think is going to be thematically something that I'll come back to over and over again today is that in spite of all of this, there's an undercurrent in America, I feel especially as an American, but also probably throughout the world of this, this campaign to misinform. And there's, there's, it's, it's, we're not going to get into like saying that it's some Illuminati style conspiracy. I don't go so far as to necessarily believe that there are certainly people that are pulling the levers of power in the world, but it's, it's just, there's something very interesting in seeing how misinformation has stunted the response, especially here in America. You're looking at a complete lack of leadership on the federal level. You're looking at states basically treating this like the damn wild west. Everybody's doing what they feel is best for their state, which to a certain extent is correct. But when you have no leadership from the top, there's, there's something about that, but you have this unprecedented crisis. And I believe now at this point um, in American history, this is the fourth largest or fifth largest loss of life in any conflict or crisis that includes world war one, world war two, the pandemic in 1918, obviously it dwarfs a whole lot of things like 9-11, um, the Vietnam War. We've surpassed all of those with the amount of people in the United States that have died of the coronavirus. It's 100,000 people plus, I believe, at this point. Um, and part of the misinformation on the other side has been, as of late, that this is no worse than the common flu. I think we're seeing if the numbers are to be believed, and I believe that they are, that this is far worse than that. The common flu kills 30 to 45,000 people on average in the United States every year. Um, we've doubled that in four months, uh, tripled that, depending on what year you're talking about. So that's one thing that's going on in the world right now. And that's just in a nutshell, because obviously there's a lot more complexity to it right now. But another thing that's going on in the world right now, obviously, that's that's consuming the news cycle now. I mean, coronavirus isn't even on the news before anymore, really, and it's the only thing that was on the news anymore, is the large-scale rioting, the large-scale looting, the large-scale protests um, that are occurring as a result of the recent death of George Floyd at the hands of the police and Ahmaud Aubrey uh, at the hands of what only can be called white supremacists, four men, I believe, who took it upon themselves uh, to perform some sort of citizen arrest on somebody who, by most accounts, was really not doing anything wrong. Um, so we have this this large scale looting, rioting, and unrest. And again, there's there's a strange undercurrent of how people see this that not only comes from misinformation, but I think also comes from a strange difference. Not even a strange difference, but from Maybe America's original sin in our upbringing, right? There's there's something that America has never addressed, okay? And we can tie this a little bit into nerd culture. I was talking to you guys about this um, 
a little earlier before we started the podcast as we were making the decision to talk about this today. Um, to tie it a little bit into nerd culture, I think most of, uh, most of geekdom, as it were, uh, by now has either heard of or seen the Watchmen television show that came out on HBO, which is the sequel to the Watchmen graphic novel from many, many years ago from the 90s, um, written by Alan Moore. And something that occurs in the first episode, and I've only seen myself the first three episodes, I'm going to go back and revisit it and, and start it from scratch and watch it from first to last episode. Uh, but I actually have not read the graphic novel. So I'm going to go back and read that first. I've seen the movie by Zack Snyder, but there's some key differences, right? But something that we that we see in the very first episode is something that I was not aware of historically. And I, I consider myself fairly educated when it comes to American history. I'm no scholar. I'm no expert. And I think that it's something that's important to state that we all need to state today is that none of us are experts on this. These are just our opinions, okay? Or at least our opinions that are based on what we believe is the best advice of experts. So to to disagree with this is understandable. To disagree with this is fine. But it's, it's very interesting to me that actually... It is, I believe, yesterday. Now we're recording this, just so you have you you our fans know, just so those of us who are listening know. Um, we're recording this on Sunday, May thirty first, twenty twenty, and this is actually the the anniversary or one of the anniversary days in the three day burning of Black Wall Street, which is something that we see and something that I know from hearing from friends of mine, from hearing from other people that many people learned about for the first time in their entire lives, something that happened about a hundred years ago, that something that, that people had only learned for the first time in our lives that occurred, that white rider, riders and looters burned down a very, very affluent black neighborhood in Tulsa, Oklahoma, that was affectionately referred to as Black Wall Street. It was the center, in, in a sense, just like Wall Street is today for America, of black commerce, uh, and black investment. And for a variety of racist reasons, there's again, this is not something that I would split hairs on. It's my opinion, but there really is no other reason to burn down an entire neighborhood of a single race of people and single them out and destroy their livelihoods and destroy their ability to build their livelihoods. So that's something that happened in this three-day period. That's something that we only learned about, most of us, through a comic book. Uh, a comic book television show almost 100 years after it occurred. It's not in any history books that I've read. I didn't learn it in school in American history. And another thing that actually occurred today in Philadelphia um, is the, the only incident in American history where America bombed itself and its own citizens occurred today. I'm not sure if you if you guys have heard of this, but there was a bombing in Philadelphia. I believe it was in the 70s. And there was a black neighborhood where there was a, a commune of black activists that were living there together. And essentially, you know, they were civil rights activists, as I suggested a moment ago. But they they lived in this commune to support each other and to build their activism from. And of course, they had a quarrel with the Philadelphia city and the Philadelphia police. Of which eventually ended, and you know, I 
won't get into all the details necessarily here, but it eventually ended in the only time, again, that America has bombed itself. A police helicopter dropped a bomb on a city block where these black activists were staying and burned down all of their buildings with this firebomb and killed, I believe, actually it was 11 people, injured dozens of others. So the only incident of America bombing itself was police bombing African-Americans. I think that's something that needs to be mentioned again, especially because today, as we talk about it, this is the anniversary of this action that, again, I think most Americans have never heard of before in their lives. So to address what's going on right now, beyond that historical context. So it's, it's a tragedy on many levels, okay? Where to even begin? Obviously, to see these men assassinated by white supremacists, to see this man be kneeled on for nine minutes, almost nine minutes, for him to be kneeled on his neck while he pleaded. He pleaded that he could not breathe. He pleaded for his mother's life, or he pleaded to his mother for his life. His mother passed away. This was a man who who understood that if if something didn't give in the next few minutes, he was going to die. He was going to meet his mother. He was going to see her again. A grown man about our age, in his 40s, pleading to his mother for his life. Well, well, a completely indifferent man kneeled on him casually let him die and continue to kneel on him for almost three minutes after he was ar- after he was already unconscious or dead. While two other police officers kneeled on his back and his legs and a fourth police officer watched. Now, there, there have been several videos that have come out of this incident because, you know, we, it was a true tragedy what happened to Ahmaud Aubrey. He was, he was lynched in a modern day sense. But this seemed to be the catalyst. This, this instance with George Floyd, because we've seen, we understand that white supremacy is an issue. We understand that there are many, many people who are still clinging to this, this, this horrible form of racism. It's, it's almost not a surprise to most of us when we see white supremacists pull this off. And it's not a surprise when the police do it either. I want to be clear about that. And I want to be clear also that, you know, we understand that not all police are evil people, okay? But at the same time, when your institutions seem to be the ones that are perpetuating this, you look around at the protests today and they've turned violent in many cases. Sometimes violent. Sometimes the violence has been started by the protesters. Sometimes the violence seems to have been started by outside actors, and that's not confirmed, but it has been said by the, by the city of Minneapolis that it seems like most of the protesters that have been doing damage there have been coming from out of state. Okay. And this violence is being perpetuated by police as well, because we're here in New York city and we just uh, witnessed a video here. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but there were two police cars that ran into two crowds of protesters. Thankfully, nobody was hurt and nobody was, nobody was killed, 
But if you see the video, these cops floor it, run over some barricades and run over some protesters. It's happening on all sides. And there's something that is almost even more infuriating, that it's the institutions that are supposed to protect people of color that are the ones that are getting away with the murder of people of color in this instance. So you have that as the background. And then the thing that I think is really, really hard to reconcile morally, okay? And I'll tell you on what, what side I'm on here, but it's, it's grudgingly, okay? The thing that's difficult to reconcile morally is what the, the actions of those looters and protesters, the ones who are genuinely a part of the movement, who are genuinely interested in protesting this thing that has happened to these, to these men and these African-American men and women and people of color, uh, of all races, of all religions, of all genders, something that's been happening for so long, there's, there's this tendency to point fingers on one side, right? Because there's this idea that there, there is a, a proper way to protest and this isn't it, okay? But let's look at that statement. There's a proper way to protest. Uh, these people shouldn't loot, they shouldn't riot, they shouldn't destroy their own neighborhoods. Maybe not. But we've had Martin Luther King protest peacefully and be beaten at riots. He was assassinated, ultimately. We've had, Martin, we've had Malcolm X, who was a little bit more militant, more of a defensive militant. He didn't really you know, go out and foment terror and attack the police or anything like that, but he was also killed. So that's another avenue of protest that's out the window. Uh, you had Robert Kennedy. John F. Kennedy's brother, who was actually one of the people who was advocating back in his day for people of color and for marginalized people, he was assassinated as well. So you can't be a, you can't be an ally um, that stands up for people of color. That that avenue is out the window as well. We had a president who was half black and half white speak out about how there is still some form of institutionalized racism in this country and still trying to say that he understood that the people who are keeping the peace, the police are under constant pressure. He still tried to understand that. And he was seen as a, a race divider. So that Avenue is out the window as well. You have Colin Kaepernick who kneels, who, who does one of the most peaceful things you can do. Uh, he uses again, another half black, half white American, who uses his power and his celebrity as a, as an athlete to call attention to this huge problem that he sees and that many people of color have been trying to call attention to again, since before Martin Luther King, obviously before all of these activists were talking hundreds of years of repression. So he tried to take a knee. Uh, he consulted someone in the military in order to find out how to do it, because if you remember the history of this, he was taking a seat initially, and that was seen as something that was truly disrespectful. Then he spoke to some, some people in the military, and they told him that in order to honor their fallen comrades, they would take a knee. So they felt that that was a more respectful way to protest the flag, but not protest the military. But guess what? That was a backlash against that, including against their own president. So that's an avenue of protest that's out the window as well. Okay. LeBron James will speak out about it, and he's told to shut up and dribble. That avenue is out the window as well. Um, you have something like uh, Jay-Z and a Beyonce, who don't really say much about it. Uh, sometimes in their music, they speak of it. 
all they do is they try to do a lot of activism in the background. They bail out protesters and they donate money to Black Lives Matter and other causes. Well, that's not the right way to do it either. You can't use your entrepreneurship to to support these terrorists, which is what some people call Black Lives Matter, which again is another avenue of protest, sometimes peaceful, sometimes a little more aggressive. That's out the window too. You can't say Black Lives Matter. They tell you that all lives matter. And now we've gotten to a point where people are, are just extremely fed up. And every time something like this happens, this calls to mind the thoughts of Martin Luther King Jr. A riot is the language of the unheard. So I would never advocate for violence against a human being. I don't think that anybody should attack a cop. I don't think that anybody should injure a cop. I don't think that anybody should, should try to kill a cop. I don't think anybody should try to do that to a protester or to somebody in their homes or to a business owner or to any other human being or living creature even. You don't even do that shit to a dog, man. I'm sorry. Like I'm getting passionate about it. I'm cursing a little bit here, but you don't, you don't, I don't care what side of this you're on. If you start physically, physically attacking people with the intent to harm them, you're wrong. But I have to be honest at this point, every other form of protest has been tried. Should people be burning down their own neighborhoods? Probably not. Should they be burning down other people's neighborhoods? Probably not either. Should they be burning down, burning down local businesses? Probably not. Should they be burning down a Target or an AutoZone? Probably not. But without condoning it in this point, without saying that I, that I support this kind of thing, or can I really say even as somebody who is a person of color, because my background is, is Puerto Rican and Puerto Ricans, people from the Caribbean, we have African-American blood in our veins. We do. We are a product of that. How can I say at this point when nothing else has worked, how can I tell these people anywhere that they shouldn't do these things? How can I, how can I, stand on the side of people who are pointing out these riots and pointing out this looting and pointing out how this is unjustified, but are not taking the time to point out that a man is dead because a member of the institutions that are supposed to protect us watched him die in, in the most casual manner, like somebody would squash a bug. And, you know, I want to open it up for somebody else to make their points after this, but something that I saw that like is, is surprisingly affecting. And I think would open a lot of people's eyes. It's a simple meme, but there's a police officer kneeling on a dog's neck. Now I wonder, I have to wonder, this is a thought experiment. This is not something that's going to prove anything. Again, this is, these are my opinions in most cases, but I have to wonder if a police officer kneeled on a dog's neck for nine minutes, in public, in the street, would we not see this backlash from people who normally don't complain when a black man dies in the same way? Because when I go on social media, and again, social media is a place where opinions live and not necessarily facts. When I go on social media, I see so many posts all the time from certain people with outrage about animal abuse, about people killing animals. I don't see that same outrage when a black man dies. I see that outrage about cities burning down. I see that outrage about businesses burning down. And there's some justifiable outrage there. 
But why do I not see that same outrage for a man, for a human being, and not just the black man, but any person of color, again, of any gender, of any race, of any religion, of any culture, from any country? Why don't you see that same backlash from those same people who would scream about putting a dog abuser in jail or executing them or castrating them? These are all examples that I've seen. Why don't we see that same outrage? That, I guess, in a nutshell, <laughs> is how That's I feel about nutshell. all this complicated situation. I mean, it's such a huge man. thing. It's such a huge, it's such a huge topic, right? Because the world is literally changing and falling apart in some ways and being rebuilt under our under our noses, on our watches, and you know, on, in our generation, by our generation. So it's not something that even even a nutshell is a pretty big nutshell, but to me, those are the conversations that aren't being had. Those are the considerations that are not being met. Those are the thoughts that I have. And those are the ideas that I have about what's going on. So um, I will open it up to one of you gentlemen to, to go ahead and give, give us your thoughts. Yeah, um, I'm going after that. Sure. Walt, uh, just uh, just a quick notice. I think your 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 volume is a, a bit low. So while you fix the while you fix on your vo work on your volume right now, uh, I'll yep. um, there you are. I'll, uh, yeah. I'll 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 chime in and stuff. And you know, my point of view, like my my thing is that like I, I agree with a lot of sentiments that you said, Jose. Um, I I uh, don't discount any person's life that has been wrongfully taken away in any scenario, even though disproportionately it, it seems that, that the, the black community are the ones that are most affected by this, you know, <clears throat> they're the ones that are the most uh, targeted, the ones that are constantly, you know, uh, made victims of, you know, brutality and stuff like that. But ultimately for me, um, my thing is that like, you know, if, 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 if everything is an eye for an eye, then the whole world will go blind. And that's just, you know, the, the way that I see it, like the outrage is there, there is rightful outrage. And I think that like, you know, on the background of the whole COVID situation, there's people that are, that are actually using this whole thing that's happening as, as a, a, a way to be like, see, this is what happened because of the lockdown and this, that, and the other. But I don't think that that's accurate. I don't think that that's true because we've seen riots before. We've seen this unrest happen before when we weren't dealing with a pandemic because this is a, a this is a systemic issue that we're dealing with. Um, but I think personally that uh, that the focus the the focus of the frustrations and the rage is not being properly, you know, targeted. In my opinion, you know, like you see, you know, all of this um, talk about like, you know, all cops are bad. If, if, if you if you're a cop and you didn't call it out, then you're a bad cop. You know what I mean? Um, but then you discount every single bit of work that the cops do do. You know, you discount every single time that a cop or a law enforcement official from anywhere around the country that condemns what happened in some other state, you know. Uh, uh, not, not to cut you off, but I did see a wonderful example earlier today in Queens. Uh, there were some police officers kneeling on Jamaica Avenue with the protesters. I just wanted to mention that. Go ahead. 
Right, and and you know you have those instances, but then you but the, the my issue with the uh, rioting and the looting and the violent protests is not that you know that you don't have every right to be angry and then to like release that anger and frustration, but you're doing it wrongfully when you judge an entire class of people for judging you as an entire class of people, and you know when I say that I I, I am talking about you know, judging all law enforcement for the actions of, you know, some, you know, um, because at the end of the day, we don't, we don't, we don't often hear or see, or sometimes we see it and hear about it and then like, don't even think twice about it, about all the good things that they do do. We don't hear and applaud, you know, the, 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 the lives that they save and stuff like that. Like that stuff isn't newsworthy anymore because of the current climate, who knows, as far as like the political climate with somebody like Trump, who we have in office that has shown absolutely no leadership, very specifically in this crisis right now, has literally hid away and has not come out to to show any kind of leadership to, to calm the public sentiment. You know, that's that's the most cowardly thing that, that a man can do. Like, I understand that he, whatever he would say is probably the wrong thing to say. You know, and I struggle with the idea of like, you know, what's worse, him staying quiet or him coming out. But the fact that he's not even attempting to lead shows that he doesn't belong in office. But if we if we, if we just sit idly by as and 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 also let people attack, you know, the people that are being judged just because of the uniform they wear, saying that like well they chose to be you know a cop this person didn't choose to be black but that person can choose to be you know a police officer they chose to like be part of an institution that's killing you know black and brown people well no they didn't choose to join an institution that kills black and brown people they chose to 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 follow a calling a desire to make a difference and save lives no one grows up wanting to be a cop because hey i get to have a gun and i get to like you know shoot this person when i want how i want you know, um, and I don't want to say no one, but I want to say the vast majority because there are bad operators out there. There are bad people out there that grew up with that sentiment and decide like, hey, you know, I can do this legally. You know, I'm a racist. Maybe they don't say it to public and maybe they don't even admit it, but they'll grow up with that sentiment and decide that like they will join the force, you know, because it allows them that, you know, but that's that's not a law enforcement in institution issue. That is a societal issue, you know, because of the people that, that, that should be targeted with this rage and this frustration are the policymakers, are the lawmakers, are the ones that should be putting in place the, the, the vetting processes and the, the, the tools necessary to root out this kind of evil, you know, because if you're going to if if you're going to judge every single police officer um, on the actions of one, then every single person in the world should be judged by the actions of their peers. You know, every every Dominican and Puerto Rican should be judged on the drug dealings of one because maybe they know someone that has dealt drugs before and they didn't call them out. You know, uh, every white person is a racist because maybe they know someone that's a racist and they didn't call them out. You know, I understand, you know, being frustrated when people don't speak out and stuff, but to judge and to call for violence and action against a certain group of people just because they represent one thing is wrong in my opinion. You look at everything that's happening across the entire country, 
here specifically in New York, we've had riots for the last couple of days. Um, you mentioned the situation with the uh, two police vehicles that uh, rammed into uh, a barricade full of people and stuff. Um, and while it's a really difficult thing to watch, you, we need to also remember, remember that they are human beings that are doing their job. Now, if I put you in this place where you're a kid in high school and you're in the lunchroom and because of who you are, because let's say because you're black, every single white person in that school just converged on you and started shouting at you and throwing things at you, how would you react? You know, um, when, when you are now in that situation as the cop was in that car, in that van, or in the SUV, when you have a mass of people going there shouting and throwing and kicking in their windows, and you know that they're also firebombing vehicles and stuff like that, where you are now trapped in, you know, how are you supposed to react? This is why I think that, like, this kind of violence doesn't serve the ultimate purpose of, of having your voice heard. You're getting a lot of attention to you, but you're also overshadowing the message that you're trying to get, you know, because you can't be like, hey, look, that guy ran me over. But you're in his face and you're threatening his life, you know, and, you know, people may say, well, he's in a vehicle, you know, he's safe. Well, that cop doesn't know that. How is he supposed to know that when you know that there's people that are literally throwing Molotov cocktails at vehicles when not one when when I'm not saying that New York police officers haven't done things bad in the past, but that officer and none of the officers right now had anything to do with what happened in Minneapolis or Minnesota or the, you know, uh, the, the, the situations going on in, in, in Ahmaud Arbery's case, you know what I mean? And their life is being put in danger because some people think that like, well, all cops are murderers and I'm in the uh, uni unique position where I, I, I personally, you know, have had, you know, I've dealt like I, I grew up, you know, Spanish in, you know, an impoverished neighborhood in Bushwick before anybody wanted to live in Bushwick. I kind of had like this, you know, interaction with someone else earlier today. So I'm, it's kind of fresh in my mind. But I grew up Spanish in those neighborhoods. I've been racially profiled, you know, growing up. I've also been stopped and frisked, you know, just because I looked like someone that had something. And I was like, OK, do your job. It's fine. But I was racially profiled. I lived in Pennsylvania and dealt with racism over there. I moved to Texas and I lived in Austin, Texas, which is one of the most progressive states, cities in the entire country. But even there, I still dealt with racism as well. So I've had my fair share of, you know, racist interactions. I've dealt with um, that that racism as an institution. So I'm well aware of it, even though I may not have dealt with it at the severity severity that that some people in some cultures have. So I understand it, but it's also not fair to judge an entire class of people, you know, because we don't, we don't get to, you know, <clears throat> we don't, we don't, we, two wrongs don't make a right, you know, period, you know, wrong is wrong, no matter what, you know, and some people will say, well, you know, cops, they may feel in danger today, but black and brown people have been feeling in danger by cops all their life. You know, that still doesn't make it right, you know? I understand that there's a lot more gravity to a certain situation versus another, but wrong is wrong no matter what, 
you know, and I think that like the looting and the destruction of property and, and the uh, targeting, you know, or, or not targeting, but allowing this stuff to happen to these small businesses that are already affected. You know, people say, well, like, you know, I had a conversation with somebody today that, that, that was just like, yeah, well, property, property can be replaced. Human lives can. I completely agree with that. Property absolutely can. But think about whose property you're destroying. There's small businesses that belong to families, to people that depend on that for their actual survival, who are barely making it because of the pandemic. And now you're just going to like stuff them out and put your boot on their neck, you know, so that that family and that person's life is now in danger, you know, wrongfully, because I am, I'm not saying do not have, you know, that, that rage out there, but if anybody deserves that kind of rage, that physical rage, go to your city hall, Go to your Capitol building, go to the White House, go to go to the places that actually are supposed to be the ones making the change in the institutions that are meant to protect you, as opposed to targeting the people that had nothing to do with it. You know, and that's kind of my position on it. I I have a lot of thoughts and a lot, on a lot of different positions and things like that on, on the entire thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some are even telling me that, like, well, I shouldn't be. You know, if, if I'm going to worry about like the looting, the rioting and all the violence that's happening right now, then I should also put uh, the names of the people that have been killed by the police officers and stuff like that. They weren't killed by police officers. They were killed by racist people. And we need to do a better job of making sure that we don't include those people in our institutions, that we don't have those people leading those institutions and that we also have a checks and balance system for it. You know, that's not a police officers did that to him. That is a racist person did that to him, you know, because if all cops are like that, at least the sentiment that that is being shared by a lot of people and that like the good that some cops do isn't outweighed by others, then let's think about in Mississippi just two weeks ago, there was a 12 year old child or 11 year old child, black child that was gunned down, that was shot. Okay. Shot and killed in Mississippi. And there was no outrage online. There's no news about it. The only people that cared to about it were the cops, the local police department that made it their mission to drop any and all small cases going on in that Mississippi town and find the murderer that did that, you know, and they don't do it for likes. They don't do it because like, hey, I want to do this because I want to get on the news and I want to do this. They do it because it's their calling, you know, and we need to also understand that nobody becomes an officer, at least for the for me, the majority of the people don't become an officer or law enforcement because they look at it as you know, uh, glory and this, that, and the other. Maybe some do. I think that like the vast majority do it because they want to do something worthwhile with their life, you know, where they may have had an an example of of heroism in their life and they want to repay that forward or or something affected them that made them say, hey, I want to be, you know, someone's hero. I want to save a life. I want to, you know, do something for the community, you know, where I can. Because yes, they can quit. Every single one of these officers that are going through the stuff that they're going through right now, they can literally turn in their badge tomorrow if they feel strongly against the institution as a whole. And I, I get that. And they would be right to do so if that's their feeling. But the cops that are still on the front lines, the, the black and the Spanish, the brown cops that are out there still, you know, as police officers, you know, going through all this stuff, their lives are in danger when they're not in uniform. Yet they still do the job because they, they have that calling to 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 make some sort of change you know i have friends and students that are police officers um who are 
black and brown. Most of the police officers, actually all the police officers at the dojo, they're all Spanish and black. You know, one of the police officers is, is a teacher at my gym. And at the same time, I have students in my gym on the other side of the co coin that call for violence to all police officers and say that all police officers are murderers. And you're essentially saying that the training partner and your teacher, the person, the actual human being that you interact with all the time has done nothing wrong. And you have no idea if that person would do something wrong in the future is a murderer just because of what one person in Minneapolis 2,000 miles away did. And that's where I see the wrong. Anyway, that's my opinion on that particular subject. Okay. Uh, Walt, you want to close out with your uh, or chime in at least? Arching statement, I guess. We won't call it uh, opening statement anymore because yes, <laughs> quite a while. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm going to make it brief because uh, I, I really want to, I, I want to, you know, get into a, a discussion here. But, you know, 2020 has been rough. Um, it oh really my has. God. You know? Yes, it uh, has. When, when, we were, when we were celebrating New Year's Eve um, 2020, going into 2020, boy, did, did, I don't think anybody had a clue of what, what, where we would be at this point. Yeah. Um, at this point, you know, I'm expecting Independence Day, the movie, to occur on Independence yeah, we're, Day. Yeah, we're we're in a place where it's you know, it, it's almost and I, and I I don't want to use this statement, but but it, it seems like this is almost like a perfect storm that that we're entering in here right now because you know, we started out with the pandemic, you know what what originally started as something that may have been manageable. I mean, we're never going to know whether that that's a true statement or not. But we, you know, it is very clear that there was a lot of missteps along the way. Now, you know, not to be totally, you know, inflammatory, but, you know, we, we can't say that this is something that we should have known because, you know, this is a once in a lifetime thing. You know, the last, last time something like this ever happened was about 100 years ago, a century ago. You know, so there is no blueprint to this, but there were voices that could have been heard that could have mitigated some of the, the loss and the suffering that, you know, people are going through right now. And, and it's not only, you know, loss and suffering in terms of, you know, people passing and the souls and uh, lost and, you know, the families that are affected, but it's also, you know, the, the levels of poverty that are now being, you know, it's it's almost exponential now because now you know you're you're seeing a lot of the economy you know in in the tank you know a lot of people are losing their jobs a lot of people who really couldn't afford to lose their jobs they're they're out there you know don't know where you know i go down here something that i i don't think i've ever seen in this, in my neighborhood you know there was a line about two blocks long for a food bank I, you know our neighborhood is not such a bad neighborhood i i think we're my neighborhood that I live in, you know, is in Ridgewood. It's a very middle class neighborhood, working, working people and stuff like that. But you would never think that you would see a line, two lines long because people don't have the ability to feed themselves. You have that going on. You also have the mental aspect, which a lot of people are suffering from. You know, we've been shuttered in for close to three months now. Um you know, for some people, it's okay. You know, our, our family, we're kind of homebodies. So, you know, we found a way to, to get around it. You know, we, we're actually enjoying the time that we have here. And this is time that we're not going to be able to, you know, I wouldn't have been, I look at it positive this way. This is time that I get to spend with my family, 
you know, we're, we're there and we're doing family things and stuff like that. But there's a lot of people that don't have that. There's a lot of people that are by themselves. There are a lot of people that are used to root their creatures of habit. They're used to a routine. Those are people that are suffering, you know, and, and I struggle with how to balance the physical aspect of the pandemic against the mental aspect of the pandemic, because the physical aspect of the pandemic is very finite. You can go out, you can die from this, from this disease, right? The mental aspect is a little bit more subtle because, you know, you're sheltered in, you're, you're doing all the right things to keep yourself safe at home, but you don't have that, the thing that humans need to inter- that interaction, that social, you know, bonding, that, that stuff is taken away. It's been ripped away. It's not even taken away gradually. It's, it was like a dead stop. You know, here we are. Boom. That's it. We're shuttered. Nobody can get to see anybody. I haven't seen my parents in, you know, in the way that I normally do in three months. You know, I've seen my father every once in a while because we're dropping off groceries and he's the one that comes down to pick up the stuff. My mom, I've seen her maybe once throughout this whole crisis, you know. Now, luckily, they have each other. But what happens to the people that don't have that, you know? So there's a balancing that needs to be done with that. And then now, you know, with everybody on edge because of that, um, we have, you know, the the unfortunate situations that occurred in Minneapolis with um like uh, the Floyd situation, right? Where clearly, I mean, there's there's no other way to say it. This man was murdered. We have clear and defining proof of that. It's a powder keg because you had people on edge, and then it's we have a situation like that that happened, and it's here we go all over again. You could you could listen to you can look back on history, 1965 in Watts, Detroit in 1967, LA in 1992, Ferguson in 2014, and now we have Minneapolis in 2020. As far as we've come as a in a as a country with racism, we still haven't come far enough, and. Quite honestly, I think within the last couple of years, things have gotten worse because now statements of racism, they're kind of normalized. And, you know, I don't want to get political into this, but you know what? We do have a sitting president that doesn't know how to, um, what, what, what's the word that I'm looking for? He, he, he doesn't. It's it's almost like the, he's stoking the fires here, and 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 again, I don't want to get political, but you look at what happened in Charlottesville. Charlottesville was was a travesty. Charlottesville was was a, a disaster, but yet he comes and he you know he makes statements where it's like, well, there are things that was done wrong on both sides. No, there wasn't. You had one group of of people that were peacefully protesting, and the other side that came to do mayhem. And came to do harm. So, you know, like I said, this is a perfect powder keg. And to to kind of bounce off of your comments, 
uh, Wolfie and, and Jose. We're not talking about the police department as a whole. It, we're talking about a few bad apples. And you know what they say, bad apples ruin a bunch, uh, the barrel, right? But the problem is, is that we are so attuned to, you know, the sensationalism and, and the, the news cycle and, and the things that, those are the things that make make the news. It's not, you know, the police officer helping the grandma or the police officer, I don't know if they even do this anymore, going and getting the kitten out of the tree and stuff like that. But the normal things that a police officer does on, an, on a regular basis, where they're, and there's just the police officer in general who they're there to do their job, but we sensationalize the ones that don't do their job and the ones that are the racists in the police force. Um, and so, again, we're, we're back to this where the powerlessness of people, you know, it gets to a point where it's like you can only stand so much. Um, and, and while we're seeing, we, I think we've had 1,700 arrests um, throughout the United States in the past three days. And these are protests that are occurring. And I would, I would tell you this, that I would say the majority of the people that are there to protest are doing it because they want to do it peacefully. And there is, there is something called civil disobedience which I believe the majority of the people are trying to do. But then you have, again, this small segment where they're there just to create mayhem. And that's why you have, you know, the targets burning and, and the Molotovs being thrown at police vehicles and things of that nature, which just exacerbate the situation and make it worse. Now, again, you know, I don't believe that violence is the answer, but you have to look at the situation and how it's progressed over the years. And at some point you question and say, you know what, we've done everything that we've can to try and do this peacefully, but yet our voices aren't being heard. And there are going to be angry and frustrated people that are coming out of this. And that's what we're seeing on the streets today. Um, it's unfortunate. Um, it's, it's sobering when you turn on the news and you see images. And, and I think I, I told you guys the other day, the, these images that we're seeing where, you know, people are out there and it's pitch black and all you see is the fire. It reminded me of the Joker movie somewhat, just to kind of turn this back around to geekdom and stuff. And you see the same type of anger in that movie and it's, it, you see it in real life. And it's almost like, you know, it's, it's a carbon copy of what's going on. So, you know, it, it's a really tough situation to be in right now. 2020 has been super, super hard. You know, um, I'm hoping that somewhere, somehow, things turn around. But I really, and, and I don't want to be pessimist, but I don't see it happening anytime soon. I mean, you know, just to go around on, on another subject, we always hear about, you know, these mass shootings and stuff like that. And there's always a level of outrage, but then it dissipates. And, and you know, we had mass shootings in schools where children are being killed. And on one end, one end of the, the partisanship, they're saying we need to have reform and change. On the other, 
the excuse is always, well, we shouldn't talk about this right now because we need to grieve. And there's always an excuse not to talk about it and not to, not to reform it because by the time that we are ready to talk about it, it's forgotten. And, and we move on to the next until we see the next horror that happens. So, you know, you try and be optimistic about the future, but nothing's really moving the, the needle forward. And, and it's a little scary. We're here at the end of May. In, in, in one more day, we're in June. Um, I, I, <laughs> it's, just, it's just a very weird thing for me. It, it really is. Ooh, yeah. So, hey, um, Jose. Yeah. What's before up? we before we proceed, um, mm -hmm. we're gonna have a surprise pop in here because Eli is itching to get on the mic. He has something to say. So. Oh. Okay. Nice. Okay. Yeah. It's right. just it's just gonna be really. Thank quick. you, Eli. Go ahead. Talk to us. I I'd like to start off um just by saying my condolences to the victims' families. Um, I, I can't even begin to describe what you guys are going through. Um, it's it, even for me, it's really hard to just hear about this. But I, I, there has to be a point where we cross, where we draw a line. We can't just if if we can if we if we start to use violence against police, does that make us any different? Does that make us any different from the racist in, in terms of like violence? It's, it's, it doesn't, violence is not the way to, to do this. It's not. Even though I understand that people have tried to not go by violence. Um, Jose has said it. Um, there's been many tries, but I just, I just don't understand why you, why we have to It's it's not it's not the way to go, okay? And not all cops are racist. We have to divide the, the racist, separate the racist from the cops because not all of them are cops. Just saying kill cops makes it seem like you're gonna kill the entire police force. That's not that's not how you do this. You don't kill anybody first of all, and second of all, it's not the whole entire group as a total. Okay. I mean, I, I share the same sentiments. You know, the thing is, like, I, I just don't see, like, if I were to ask a question is, how do you, like, I would like to know, what do you expect to happen by, you know, you know, the, by, by, by kind of stoking this, like, violence and stuff like that and, and, and the, um, and I guess like the, the rioting and stuff. And I guess I know that like, you know, a lot of these people aren't maybe aren't representing what the protesters themselves are representing. But the fact is that we do have a large group of people that really are, even if they they themselves aren't the ones rioting, rioting and, 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 and all that stuff and looting. But on social media, you have a ton of people that are simply like, let it all burn down. I want to know 
what is your reason behind it? Like, is it just because you want to let it, uh, you want it to burn? Like, if your reason is just that, like, well, we tried peaceful protest before and it didn't work. Um, or what do you, how do you, what's the outcome? Like, what do you think is going to happen after this? Because the, at the end of the day, you know, if you want to destroy everything and you want to abolish, you know, the police, because there's even like a hashtag out there that says defund the police. Imagine if there is no police, how are you going to, how are you going to uh, handle crime? Some people have said, well, we'll just handle it ourselves as a neighborhood. That's called policing. You would then create a police department within your community and neighborhood to police the crime. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, it actually, just it doesn't like I don't understand where the thought process is. That's and, actually vigilanteism. That's not policing. Because well, I I understand well, it becomes I mean, vigilanteism, but at some point that will turn into policing, right? Well, we would hope because you know, just like you said, there are bad actors everywhere. So who's to say that these these individuals? Who's going to be the ones to making the decision on what's a crime and what's not? You know, who's going to who's going to be the ones to enforce it? What rules are we going to have of enforcement when it comes to engaging with individuals that you believe did a crime? I bet you anything in in the case of of Aubrey, um, those guys, they thought they were policing their neighborhood absolutely you know and, and so citizens arrested there right exactly so if if we're putting the power back into the neighborhoods you're gonna have neighborhoods where where you know a black man or a, a brown person walks in to the neighborhood and say well that's a crime they're not from here we should arrest them what means right, are you gonna, they're gonna them? Them. we need, we need the police go ahead go ahead no, 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 go on. That's all I'm just saying is that, like, we we still need law enforcement. People need to understand that, like, law enforcement itself is not the problem. It's racism and racist actors in law enforcement, and not just law enforcement, but in politics, in government, and all that stuff. We need to do a better job of handling that, you know? Okay. Um, let me... I mean, if I may make a few points to what exactly is the the purpose of say rioting or violence or anything to that right nature. that's what i, I want to know i don't i, I, I want to see how that is going to work first off i want to i want to say that it's there's something that is a little bit different it seems this time around that's a little bit more hopeful we'll say uh as i mentioned earlier you're seeing instances of police officers that are actually uh taking a knee or marching with protesters rather than turning it into something that's a violent confrontation between police and protesters they're they're joining in. There's a there's a couple of viral videos. There's one that you maybe some of you have seen where there's a police chief addressing a crowd, um, and he states that his only reason for being there is so that people can can um, can excuse me can express their opinions, express their rights, express their First Amendment rights to protest. And what he says to them is that he he doesn't want it to be a protest. He wants to turn it into a march. Okay, and he walks with this. He ends up marching with these with these protesters. I believe it was actually in Ferguson, which is all the more interesting. Okay, and don't don't quote me on that, but I believe that is the case. And it, it may not be the same police officer, but I also see in the news that there was the Ferguson police chief did join the protest for George Floyd in Ferguson, and we all know what occurred there in recent times. There's another wonderful instance that I saw, and this is the type of thing that I would encourage. Okay. Because uh, I want to draw the line, as I said earlier, between what I would encourage and what I would what I would say I cannot judge anymore. 
Let me try to make that distinction. Okay. There's a wonderful instance, and you may have all seen this on social media as well. And this occurred in Minneapolis, if I'm not mistaken, but there was a police officer who was separated from his colleagues. He was alone. He was being assaulted by a crowd and a line of, of black men stood out and, and surrounded this police officer and protected him during the protest. There's a photo of him. There's a police officer. He's, Dude is jacked. He's in riot gear. He's standing there. This big dude, this big cop, you can see the fear in his eyes. And then you see four or five, six, like a few black men standing in front of him and pushing back the crowd of violent protesters saying like, look, this is not what we what we need to do. There's another video that I saw that was disheartening on both both ends where you see a female cop being dragged by the protesters. But then her partners and some of the protesters again intervene and say, like, look, this is not what we're about. We're not trying to harm these people. We're trying to call attention to something. But I want to make a couple of points in regards to bad apples, in quotes. This is something that we talked about and that you both made a point about. And I, I, I have to put it this way, and then I want to make a point about violence. And again, I'll open it up so you guys can, can give your rebuttals and your opinions. But the thing about bad apples as, it, as so to speak, in my opinion, is you look at it from, from a couple of different angles. If you're in an institution, and I'm going to ask you guys personally to involve yourselves in this and in this thought experiment. If you are a part of an institution where there are a small percentage, it's, it's, a, it's a ludicrously small percentage, and I want to make that clear right now, of cops that are that are fomenting this kind of violence, that are creating this kind of violence and inflicting this kind of violence on people of color or people in general. It's not just a people of color issue. It's sometimes a, a authority issue. So if you want to imagine yourself for this thought experiment, gentlemen, you're a part of this institution, and there are a few bad apples what are you what are you waiting for in a sense to call out those bad apples let's talk about the thin blue line why is there this institutional desire okay and i can actually i'm going to actually answer this for you why i think this is there's this institutional desire and this institutionalized racism in the police force okay it's not a racism problem entirely because this is a problem with the police force specifically. And there's evidence of this because the FBI has been investigating police independently for decades and warning for decades that white supremacists were using the institution of the police department to gain positions of power and further institutionalize racism. This is an institutional problem. It's not just a few bad apples, because when you have an institution that allows this to occur and then does nothing, the good cops, not in quotes, I'm not being sarcastic, the good cops do nothing. They, they pay the legal fees, they defend their officers who execute people plainly, where that evidence in a standard court of law, not a police procedural court of law, which has slightly different procedures, in a standard court of law, any person caught on video doing these things that these police have done would be in prison and charged with first or second degree murder immediately, not third degree murder, which is what occurred here for one of the officers in the Floyd in the Floyd 
case. One of the officers is being charged of third degree or essentially accidental murder when he willingly lay on a man's neck for nine minutes. So if you're a part of these institutions and you don't call out the problems with these institutions, isn't the problem the institution? Because you're afraid to call it out. That's what a lot of officers are. They're afraid. These good cops are afraid to say something, especially good cops of color. They tend to get marginalized by their own colleagues in these institutions. I want to make that clear. This is an institutional thing. It is not an individual thing, okay? And again, 99.999% of police officers are, are, are not committing these acts, but 99.999% of police officers, or at least most of those, are allowing these acts to occur. How is it any different to allow I, I your don't, I don't, I don't, Hold on, hold on. I, 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 I don't think that that's... I don't think don't that that's... Speak out about it. Do they speak out I don't, about it? But that's what I'm trying to say, that I don't think that that's fair because they do. Like, what How happened often? to George... Hold on. What happened to George Floyd was condemned across the entire nation by law enforcement officials pretty much yep. in every single state and at every single level. The problem is that people, because of the blind anger and frustration don't even listen to it and then say that not a single cop has condemned it. When is that happened before though? But it has happened before. It has happened before because that's what I'm trying to say that like it, it, it kind of gets snuffed out from all the, 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 like when you have like these angry, violent protests and stuff like that, that ends up taking over the news cycle and you don't get to hear these people condemning it. And even so, even when they are, you know, condemning them, it, it oftentimes falls on deaf ears. And, you know, this has happened, I want to say at the very least for the last five years, especially here in New York, even in the Gardner case, you have law enforcement officials here in New York that condemned, you know, that use of force and how it was done and the whole nine here in New York. But people will still say that, like, they didn't hear it or that, like, no cop did anything about it you know what i mean but i was talking about you this earlier let's, let's think about this for a second okay we have uh we have a mayor who i'm not a fan of de blasio at all i don't like mayor bill de blasio i think he's ineffectual and i think he is actually quite disingenuous okay i'm not a fan of him but you have him taking what was 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 the appropriate action in the eric garner case and firing <laughs> daniel pantaleo the entire police force and police union turned his back on this man they consider him, they could have no confidence in him. If they were institutionally really trying to do something about it, would the police force of the largest city in America turn their back on a mayor who fired no, but, a murderer? Hey, Jose, let me let me let me put it to you this way. I, I think mm-hmm. that that was more directed not at the firing of Pantaleo. I think that was more directed directed to de blasio himself he's not an easy person to like and and you know the some of the comments that he he said if i remember correctly were i'm not going to say inflammatory but they weren't kind to the nypd in general Mm -hmm. and so i think that action was not the the nypd nypd stating that you know what what you did was wrong I think it was more a, a, an issue where, you know what, de Blasio, we've had enough with this, you know, throwing us under the bus and, and you know, the, the comments that you use, these snide comments that you throw here and there and stuff like that. I think that may be the issue there. Um, 
just that was to, the issue. That's exactly yeah. what I was going to say. You know, right? Uh, that what happened there was that. What happened is that like the Blasio in you know, firing that officer, which a lot of law enforcement also said like, he, he fucked up, you know, like whatever, like that guy's got to go. Plus he's also had a history. It's when mm-hmm. de Blasio literally put blame on the entire police force and exactly. said that these guys are, you know, not good. What ends up happening is that then you, you're stoking the fires um, of the sentiment of the public that the police officers then have to go out and serve. Yep. Right. And that's why the police department turned their backs on it because they're like, wait a minute. So you're, you, you want to make it harder for us to lay our life on the line every single day by throwing us under the bus. You know, it's one thing to single out an officer and try to create reform. It's another thing to kill the trust, the little trust that's left in the uh, department, you know, with the public. And and let me just speak on, on the institutionalization of, of racism in the department. And, you, you know, you've got to understand that the 60s and the 70s wasn't that far ago, that far long ago. You know, it, it seems like a lifetime ago, but it, it really hasn't. It and so like a, 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 lot, a lot of the cops that were rookies that grew up in that era, they're now older in the department and they're taking more, you know, um, positions of of leadership in that department so you know what the um their old school thinking of policing still kind of exists and i think the reason that you're seeing a a more uh, you know a change really in in the way police departments are looking at things is because quite frankly those guys are aging out and so now you have the new blood in here and the new blood they're more progressive thinkers they're more you know um they're more liberal. They're 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 more you know. The, more in the tune, diversity is there, and and it's the same thing with our politicians. Our politicians they come from old money, so all they do is they try and protect corporations and things of that nature because they're old. But now you're seeing the new blood coming in, and those dynamics are changing, and it's very slow. But you're starting to see it a little bit because you know what? Those racists in the '60s they're still racist today. But now the difference is they were rookies back then, and now they're your police chiefs, your 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 sergeants, your captains, and stuff like that. So that permeates throughout the system. But as you bring in new blood, those things, those type of you know thinkings, they start to change. And and like you said, Gabe, you know, within the past five years, we're seeing more of a of a thing where it's like, you know what, it's okay to now denounce the actions of one police officer because he's making our entire department look bad. So I think I think the institutional of racism, you're right, it, it is in there. But as we get further and further along, those things are going to start to drop off, hopefully, because the people that are in power that existed back then, they're dropping off or they're getting fired or they're getting pushed out and things of that nature my 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 thoughts on on the institutions and stuff like that is again i don't i like while there are yes i do agree that there are like people that are you know uh like i said this before that join because they want to have the power to execute their racism right um i think uh i think that that is again not a police department issue but a personnel issue a a, 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 a more deeper rooted issue 
that we are haven't done anything to solve. One thing that I would do that I think needs to be solved is the education of our law enforcement. Because again, if this was an institutional thing, it really would be every single police department across the board from New York to California, up and down the states. No question about it. Every single department, no matter what, they would ju- this would just be happening every single day. You know, and I don't want to say that they're like just straight up isolated incidents because it, it is a little bit more reoccurring than anything else that, 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 that can like, you know, create the civil unrest, you know. Um, but it's uh, it's it's I think a I think the fault lies with not educating the law enforcement enough for the majority of the law enforcement, including here in New York, it's six to nine months in the academy for the rest of their careers. If they have a 25-year career and they've only done six months at the academy at their initial set and they have to learn everything that there is to know about policing um, and then that's it. They never get any additional uh, physical altercation training. They never get any additional firearms training. They never get any additional psychological or sociological training. They don't get any of this stuff. So you do end up having, you know, people that are taught that they need to learn on the job, they need to learn in the street and stuff like that. And they're being taught by these people that, you know, were in the academy 20, 25 years ago, you know, on a different mindset that have never had any additional info, any, anything that's been taught to them, like, Hey, like this is, this is what's wrong. Hey, this, you know, if we had, I, I talk about this all the time that like, I think that every single officer unit needs to have a mandatory one to two weeks per year of police study at the academy so that they can they can kind of have their knowledge upgraded on how to deal with certain situations how to deal with um you know people or to refresh their memory on how to deal with these things you know like the 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 social sciences of of how to interact with people so that they're not always they themselves afraid to police as well you know, and I think that like a lot of that would go towards fixing some of these solutions. And at the and and on top of that, I think that we do need to have a much better vetting process, psychological vetting process to root out this these these uh these these things. I think that it should be a psychological pro- profile done every three to four years. You know, because there is PTSD in the street from being a cop. You know, someone that's brand new and green that's put in in the projects and all they see is gang violence by black and brown people. If that's all they see, they get PTSD also from seeing that stuff. And now they maybe they get indoctrinated in believing that all black and brown people do this because they don't they they haven't given the tools to understand that that's not the case or to understand how to deal with that kind of mentality and mindset. You know, because we are asking them. Yeah. No, no, I'm sorry. Continue. Well, the last point is that we are asking them to go into the most dangerous parts of our society and keep that danger away from us, you know, and they're the ones that have to deal with that, that kind of image and interaction and experience, not us. You know? And so, so he, here's, here's the interesting thing that you brought up that, that I think um, is, is interesting. Um, the, the notion of neighborhood policing, but, but not, not in the sense that you know the neighborhoods, but peop- the police officers themselves are coming from within the neighborhood, because yeah, right. what you what you just said is, is is so true. You have people that 
you know, especially in New York, a lot of the police officers, they're they're from Long Island. They're from Westchester. They, they don't live in the neighborhoods that they 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 police in. So it's a very different mindset, you know, when you're living in the suburbs of Long Island and stuff. And then you have to then go to work in East New York. You know, you're diff- you're dealing with a different mindset. You're different, different with different personalities and things of that nature. You know, and if you're not from that neighborhood, you can find yourself as if you're in a, you know, and and I don't want to use the phrase, but like you're in a war zone or or something like that. And and your mentality kind of changes, doesn't it? Yeah, like that that is true. That is true. But I I I also want to caution. I also want to caution you on on on. I don't want that to be the full characterization either because no 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 i would say that's like 50 well what i would say is that like i would say that's like you know 50 50 from out of the city and in the city you know if we have we have six police officers in at the dojo in in my business the the martial arts academy that most of you guys know i run a a jiu-jitsu school you know four out of the six all of them are black and brown Mm -hmm. four out of the six are from brooklyn and the bronx uh, and the other two are uh, from one from near Long Island, the other one in Westchester. Right. I'm you I'm know. not trying to make a generalization, and I'm not trying to do. Right. A little, I, I just wanted to like you know make sure that like that is not the gen- the, the the characterization that we're making. Right. But, but, but yeah, like I said, there, there has been talk about that. You know, when within you know various news channels and 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 discussions and debates about that, where it's like you know, um, and again, like I said, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to, you know, paint this with a wide brush because that's not what that's not the intention, right? But, mm-hmm. you know, do you think that there's a case to be made that maybe, you know, you should have people from the neighborhood policing those neighborhoods because they they kind of know the 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 ebb and flow of the neighborhood and and you know, understand, you know, the people that live there and and you know, maybe they know people and stuff like that. You know, the thing the thing the thing is the thing is that there is a uh um a danger with that that comes along with that depending on like what units you're part of and stuff like that there's a reason why cops are never put in the neighborhoods that they live in and it's because the risk to their family you know in in 20 years of being a police officer let's say in washington heights where they see you all the time they know that you're a cop and they know that you're there to bust them up and stuff like that you send someone to prison and all of a sudden they also know that you're from that neighborhood they can root you and your family out and hurt you and that's the main reason why it's done i think that there needs to be um maybe a separate division of the police department where they have let's say community affair officers that are from those communities and their job is to you know liaise with the people within the communities as 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 uh representatives of law enforcement as well and then kind of like be able to like you know be a voice for the community within the law enforcement department as well you know i think that that would be you know something to, to be looked at i think that there's a lot that could be done and needs to be done that isn't being done but it's also not being asked for, you know, so then maybe, and that's my issue. Maybe it goes back to your point then again, where, you know, maybe sensitivity training that should be done at least on an annual basis where, where you're going back and revisiting, you know, um, specific codes, specific procedures, you know, things that are going on within the neighborhoods that you're policing and stuff like that. Because listen, 
everything's dynamic. Things change. Yeah. You know? Yeah. As as me, I, I work in a financial office. I have to be up to date. I every year, you know, I have to do my certifications and things of that nature to make sure that I'm up to date. Why aren't police doing the same thing? I, yeah. I'm dealing with numbers. They're dealing with physical people, with people every day, yeah. life and death situations. If anything, there's a greater need there where it's like, you know what? Bi- biannually, annually, whatever it is, there should be some sort of training. To your point, where it's like, you know what? We're going back. We're checking psychological profiles. We're checking to make sure that you understand procedural things, things of that nature, just so that 20 years down the line, you you don't see the inside of a classroom, you know, once you're yeah, in your I mean, career and stuff. You know, I, I think it's, you know, these are the kind of conversations, the conversation that we're having is the kind of conversations that need to be had without inflammatory, you know, like messages within the conversation, because I think that's another area that like we're having you know, a lot of issues with, and I understand, you know, a lot of people that say they're like, well, my voices aren't heard and haven't been heard for X amount of years and stuff like that. Or my, my people's voices haven't been heard and whatnot. And, and, and I get that, you know, that's the reason why we have these uh, protests and violence and, well, I don't want to say violence, but the protests and the riots rather that, that are happening is because they haven't been heard, but you're also not going to be heard if you're also not willing to exchange and hear the other side as well you know so long as the other side is 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 being accepting of of the dialogue exchange as well if the if if one side no matter whose side it is it is if one side is saying you know well like you're wrong because of this that and the other then you're also you're not listening either but i i also feel that that 90 percent of the people that are out there protesting are really protesting because they want to do it peacefully I think it's that five to ten percent that, you know, I hate to say it, they're, they're taking advantage of the situation yeah. because you know what? It's it's just yeah. like okay, now yeah. we're out there in force. Now let's just go ahead. And you had an example of that just here in New York. Um, I believe the Blasio was saying the other day that the the protest that we had in Manhattan was relatively peaceful. I mean, there were people that were that were arrested and stuff like that. But again, we're talking civil disobedience. And supposedly he made mention of a, of a situation where there were some bad actors in the crowd and the crowd itself policed them to say, hey, that's not what we're about here. And I, I, I get the sense that, you know, that's what's happening throughout, you know, the country is that there are certain pockets of individuals that are saying, you know what, this is our advantage to go looting and, and, and get myself a new TV and, and target and things of that nature. The the violence is not related to the incident. The violence is related to where we are at that protest. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's uh, like, you know what, I'm not outraged at what happened, but I'm going to take advantage because I'm in a place where people are outraged and it, it'll kind of blend in. I can get away with this because I'm now anonymous in a crowd. The the other the other thing that I that I have to say before before you know I, I throw it back to you guys is that a lot of a lot of the stuff lately has been made about the riots and the violence and stuff. And and again, this is one of these things where it's like you're you're missing the message here. 
you know, the riot, the riots and the protests are a product of what happened. That should be the, the discussion first and foremost. We're losing ourselves in talking about the riots and we're not talking enough about, you know, okay. the situation. Me... And, and so sometimes I feel like, especially when I watch TV um, and I watch the news channels, I feel that that's the thing that's getting lost in all of this. We're focusing so much on the images that are coming out from different cities that we're forgetting. There's something that started this. That's that's the important thing here, which is a, something to my point because we're we have too many people who are like the rioters, the protesters, the looters. They're, you know, they're so wrong. They're doing these things wrong. We don't have enough people pointing to the situation that caused this. Now, I want to say a couple of things um, in regards to the sense that okay, uh, you guys made the point that both sides need to be really in on this for something to occur. And I'm going to, I'm going to let this stand as again, this is more of an opinion, but I've seen this more often than not. There has been a call in the past to increase training in police departments. And once again, maybe not just for the reason of the, you know, that they're all a bunch of racists. Again, this is not what it's about. There are a few bad apples that I think kind of spoil a whole bunch, a lot more, than you guys believe, and that's okay. But why are there so many police unions, departments, individuals that are against that kind of training that they could be undertaking in order to make this improvement? If both sides have to do something, I don't think that the police departments have done enough. And that's that's bureaucratic as well. It's not their decision entirely, and there's monetary concerns involved. In my opinion, and you know, like I said, this is just my opinion, I don't think enough has been done on one side of the of the argument. Okay. Another thing that I want to point out very quickly, I want to get a little bit more to the point of what the justification for violence is, right? Because that's, I think, a big sticking point here for all of us. Why is it justified? Why would, would you call for people to do these things? And I want to point out two things, if I may. Um, I'm going to point out a, a, a quote from Martin Luther King Jr. that I think resonates for the reasoning. Okay. And I, I don't want to spend all my time invoking Martin Luther King Jr. like I understood entirely what his message was about either. But I'm going to point to this. And then I think I want to point to something that's a little more unique, actually, to you, Wolfie, um, to another individual and something that they've said. But let's start with what Martin Luther King Jr. said about riots. Uh, in 1967, this was near the end of his life. And what a lot of people don't know about MLK, according to some of the literature, is that by the end of his life, he was beginning to abandon nonviolent resistance as a form of protest. Uh, that's not something that you really read about in the history books either. You read about how he was the, the peaceful, you know, the, 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 the bastion of peace, the Gandhi of African-Americans, and how Martin Luther, or excuse me, how Malcolm X was the militant one. But the reality was that by the end of both of their lives, they were coming closer in terms of their opinion on how these things should be handled. Uh, much like Professor X and Magneto have in the comics over the years. Uh, as we know, those characters were based on MLK and Malcolm X, right? So what, what MLK said, thank you for letting me break down the background on this, but in 1967, he said that urban riots must now be recognized as durable social phenomena. 
They may be deplored, but they are there and should be understood. Urban riots are a special form of violence. They are not insurrections. The rioters are not seeking to seize territory or attain control of institutions. They are mainly intended to shock the white community. They are a distorted form of social protest. The looting, which is their principal feature, serves many functions. It enables the most enraged and deprived Negro to take hold of consumer goods with the ease that the white man does by using his purse. Often the Negro does not even want what he takes. He wants the experience of taking. Uh, I want to apologize for using a little bit of language there. Um, of course, this is a quote from MLK, but I did use a couple of maybe off-color words there, so I do want to apologize for that. I wanted to fully represent that quote. So there's that as a point. And I want to read something that uh, actually a friend of a friend who happens to be uh, a coach in martial arts and self-defense as well, um, both of them actually, is a friend that I used to work with at a job of mine. He's uh, he's an instructor. I don't believe in jujitsu, um, but in mixed martial arts as well. And a friend of his who happens to work in, I believe, with uh, with Hollywood as well, as a trainer, as a coach. Um, as I said, this this statement that I'm about to read is made by somebody that I don't know personally, by a friend of a friend. So this is a gentleman named Stephen Kepfer. I'm sorry if I butchered his name. I posted this on my Facebook. It's S-T-E-P-H-E-N-K-O-E-P-F-E-R. And he said that this was shareable for everyone. He allows everyone to share this. But these are his thoughts. And I'll start here. <clears throat> I'll try to make this as quick as possible because it is a little long. Just a few thoughts that have been running through my head. I don't need your agreement or disagreement. I just want to share. I don't want to debate. But if what I write offers something that resonates, fantastic. If your disagreement with me helps you process for yourself what we are collectively experiencing right now, also great. Like you, I'm just processing shit. Excuse my language. <clears throat> As someone who literally teaches people how to be violent, it would be completely disingenuous for me to offer platitudes like violence is never the answer. It is easy to say and fails to earnestly tend to the deep-seated wound our society needs to mend. Sadly, platitudes are just that. They are too easy. They minimize the bigger issues. They grease over the shit we don't want to look at. Real truths are never easy. The reality is that sometimes violence is the answer. As we say in class and teach our children, violence is a last resort, the operative word being resort. Sadly, there are times when we must resort to violence. Anyone who has supported any war, any re revolution, any instance of regime, regime change, capital punishment, which I do not support, by the way, fighting back against a bully, forgiven the killing of a child abuser at the hands of the abused who just could not take it any longer, etc. Those people must look at themselves in the mirror and own that they too believe on some level that violence is an answer. Can violence come prematurely? Yes. Can violence be the wrong answer? Yes. Can violence be misused? Absolutely. Can we regret violence once we have acted with it? Most definitely, yes. However, regret may not mean use of violence was inappropriate. Can violence lead to change? The sad answer is yes. How many peaceful revolutions do you recall reading about in history class? Do you think rioting is justified? Do I think armed insurrection, what I consider Molotov cocktails, bricks, arson, etc., to be, is justified? Is assault justified? Can murder ever be justified? 
The events of the past few days have happened in the wake of yet another senseless murder of a person of color by law enforcement. Please don't read this as my being anti-police. Anyone who knows me knows that is not me. I have many friends and students who are police. My father was law enforcement. I have a deep respect for anyone who puts themselves on the line for me. The vast majority of police I know are good people. I am proud to call friends and family. Yet anyone who believes there are not generations worth of institutionalized injustices and status quo at play here is just willfully ignorant, indifferent, or God forbid, supportive of it. The sad fact is the matter is that good people fall prey to institutional injustice just as evil people use it for their own means. So is rioting justified? I don't know. Desire to riot and underlying feelings and experiences leading to it absolutely are. What I can say is that you beat down a people long enough, don't be shocked when they fight back. I am heartbroken, not just at the inexcusable horrific death of a man on public display, unchallenged, a modern day lynching, but also heartbroken at the state of this country and the American people. The exposed true nature of so many people I used to respect is weighing heavy on me. I would like to think that I oppose all these horrible acts of violence that have happened over the last few days. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> I My gut reaction tells me that I do. However, I am not a person of color. I have not lived under oppression or injustice my entire life. I have not been profiled, minimized, treated like shit, spit on, been subject to blatant and transparent inequalities, segregated, marginalized, used, abused, mass relocated or priced out of my community. I have simply never wondered if the color of my skin would have any significant effect in my life. In fact, I know it has and not in the negative. My family histories don't include those of being owned. I have never fought a war on foreign soil for freedoms not afforded to me when I returned home. I have never had to enter a building through the back door or was beaten because I refused to. My family name is not linked to those who owned my great grandparents. You get the point. It is literally impossible for me to understand what that is like. It is literally impossible for me to empathize. I have zero frame of reference. I have not been pushed to the point where civil violence seemed the only answer left to me. So back to my only question. Can violence be the answer? Just think on it. It is not so cut and dry. Lastly, I would like to add that there are people traveling and attending these riots for the sole purpose of instigating violence and nothing more. People who have zero care for the oppression of people of color. People who may even support said oppression. They may be there for the sole purpose of giving their life some misguided sense of meaning or literally just to be cool. Even worse, they may be there for the purpose of using protesters as pawns to take advantage of their anger and distrust, to bait those who truly have suffered into acting in ways they might not otherwise. There are people who want division and instability. To them, I say, fuck you. And to you, I say, you have to do what you have to do, but don't be a pawn in someone else's games. Don't be tricked into making violence the issue and not the hundreds of years of injustice. Don't be anyone's pawn. You know, I got to say that I do agree with the majority of what he said, mm -hmm. <clears throat> because I'm not saying. And I understand any disagreement as well. Well, I, I'm not saying, you know, don't riot. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying don't. You know, don't don't escalate the situation past the point from which you tried before to be peaceful and it didn't work. Mm -hmm. I'm saying target the right 
you know, area of frustration. You know what I mean? Like, this is why I say, like, take this to the doorstep of the lawmakers and the policymakers that are supposed to be making this. Not to the people in the streets, not to the cops in the streets, not to the small businesses in the streets. Because everything that's being done to them isn't going to change anything. Aside from, like, hey, you hurt my people, so I'm going to hurt your people. You know? When they could just, in my opinion... You should like like what I would do if I was taking a more activist role mm-hmm. is march directly on the, the Capitol and demand a change, you know, on the federal level. I would march on City Hall. I would march and riot in, 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 in on those buildings and loot and destroy those buildings because those are those are the people that need to hear and see the violence directly, not the small businesses that are struggling not the neighborhoods that we belong to and live in and not the police officers that are there to really truly protect us. It's a true, that's my issue. It's, it's a true conundrum too, because I don't know if you gentlemen have seen also, I'm not going to read this out. Also, this is a video that's available everywhere of killer Mike in Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah. Asking people to stop burning down their own neighborhoods, essentially exactly your sentiment. And it's it's a very very difficult thing for any of us to decide, in any way. But I'm glad to hear everyone's opinions on that. I mean, so, just one last, one last point. Put it to you this way, just as for, to to see my perspective of things. I just moved my mother to uh, to a uh, um, a you know lower income you know housing unit in the Lower East Side Soho area. <clears throat> Um, it's for people of advanced age that need some government assistance and so on and so forth. I moved her on Tuesday, five days ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. Last night there are trash cans and rioting and fires on each and every block around her and CVS being broken into and a skateboard shop being broken into and looted two blocks from that apartment. Mm-hmm. What does a skateboard shop have to do with this? What does Louis Vuitton have to do with this? What does what does Target like? Right, exactly. It's 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 just it's just an excuse to like, hey, the cops are busy handling the rioters. Exactly. Let's go ahead and get some free stuff. It's mayhem you know? for the purpose of mayhem. It's and my mayhem issue is that yes, the protesters, change. the protesters aren't necessarily saying, hey, go go to that store and take all this stuff. You know, you have protesters. The majority of the protesters are saying, you know, like, hey, that's not what we're about. But my issue is when you also have a social media entity that's saying, screw it, let the world burn just to see it happen, even though they're not the ones in there, you know, and this is where I think that general sentiment of like not having a guided, you know, release of frustration uh, doesn't beget anything. I don't see where there will be any kind of success here other than like, you know, yes, it, it sucks. It may, it may, it may, something may come of it. You know, uh, I think that, like, I mean, I really do hope that like things truly do start to change because I, I feel like there's a a paradigm shift happening. It's a little bit different, I think, in this case, at least I feel like it is. I agree it always, we, we do always say that like, oh, this time it seems different. You know, with Trayvon Martin, that was terrible. But then what, what happened in, um, uh, oh my God, uh, what was his name? I apologize. Michael Brown. Michael Brown. Yeah. Like at that time I was like, oh man, okay, now something's going to change because this is crazy. This can't keep happening. And then nothing has changed. I do honestly feel like it's a little bit different in this case. Um, But 
We'll see. And I, and I hope that like you know something does change and comes of all the writing and stuff like that. But I guarantee you that there will be a lot more change, as if if you if we as a people, you know, would protest the government institutions directly, you know, uh, the people that do sign the, on the dotted line saying, hey, this is how we govern and this is how we police those people. If we're on their doorstep and we protest and riot on their do- doorsteps until something happens, then it would work. I'll tell but you what, it's all it's- um, because that's something that definitely should take place. But then it's I, I snickered a little bit. I'm not laughing at it necessarily in a comedic way, but the situation is interesting because you had protesters at the White House. And you have our our fantastic president talking about how they would be met with ominous weapons and dogs uh, if they broke over the fence. So, yeah, we we have a a child in charge who is fomenting the violence just as much as not more than he's blaming the riots. That's true. That's true. But then, so that's that's what he's blaming it on. He's blaming the riots on Antifa. Yeah, and yeah, uh, and it's unfortunate because Antifa does actually seem to be part of the problem they 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 see this they there have been yeah there have been you know some people that are you know openly part of antifa that have been arrested and those are the ones going in out of state that are looking at this as an opportunity to cause anarchy but this is not the way yeah you know but then again when you have him when you have him tweeting that looting leads to shooting um that doesn't exactly help the situation either absolutely not this Freaking idiot! Oh my god, man, I cannot. <sighs> you know that is in a whole other conversation, and that's where yeah. we would get really political. So, yeah. Um, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna close with a few thoughts because I'm a fan of aphorisms. I'm a, flan, a fan of uh, of philosophical writers of all kinds of levels of thought, and I'm gonna tie this together with two statements from the world of geek uh, as well, if I may. Um, and you know, there's, there's no rebuttals necessary to this. This is just a way for me to kind of solidify my point through the, through the words of some other better individuals, maybe we'll say, uh, the first is the very, very important, uh, African-American writer, James Baldwin. And there's an interview that took place is that he, he has some of the more fantastic takes on all of these things that are going on today, in my opinion, um, But what he said was this, uh, what is it you wanted me to reconcile myself to? I was born here almost 60 years ago. I'm not going to live another 60 years. You always told me it takes time. It has taken my father's time, my mother's time, my uncle's time, my brother's and my sister's time, my niece's and my nephew's time. How much time do you want for your progress? Another one comes from... uh, I will say another influential African-American thinker from a different school of philosophy, the great Chris Rock. This is something he said in 2018. Uh, And again, I don't want to be inflammatory with this because as I said earlier, 99.999% of police officers are men who just want to do their jobs and protect people. I just think the problem of a few bad apples is bigger than most. This is what Chris Rock said. It's like, well, it's not most cops. It's just a few bad apples. But some jobs can't have bad apples. American Airlines can't be like, most of our pilots like to land. It's comedic, I know, 
And I understand that, that we all have different opinions on that. And I respect those different opinions on that as well. But that's just a little thing to sum up what Chris Rock said on the matter. And I'll close it out with two of the most iconic characters in comic book history. First, we're going to start with Superman. And this is something that he said in a public service announcement. I don't recall the year. I'm not sure about the year. But it's Superman talking to a group of school children. And these are his words. And remember, boys and girls, your school, like our country, is made up of Americans of many different races, religions, and national origins. So if you hear anybody talk against a schoolmate or anyone else because of his religion, race, or national origin, don't wait. Tell him that kind of talk is un-American. Help keep your school all-American. So Superman, one last uh, icon of comic books to mention, and we've talked about this before. Um, As a matter of fact, we did a podcast when he passed away. Uh, and I think AJ remembers sort of my emotional talk about what Stan Lee meant to me and what he did for comics, what he did for social equality and progressiveness and for civil rights, just by being somebody that created these beautiful stories that tried to tell us that we're all human beings, that we're all, we're all the same. Okay. Stan Soapbox. And I quote from the great Stan Lee. Let's lay it right on the line. Bigotry and racism are among the deadliest social ills plaguing the world today. But unlike a team of costumed supervillains, they can't be halted with a punch in the snoot or a zap from a ray gun. The only way to destroy them is to expose them, to reveal them for the insidious evils they really are. The bigot is an unreasoning hater, one who hates blindly, fanatically, indiscriminately. It's his hang-up. If his hang-up is black men, he hates all black men. If a redhead once offended him, he hates all redheads. If some foreigner beat him to a job, he's down on all foreigners. He hates people he's never seen, people he's never known, with equal intensity, with equal venom. Now, we're not trying to say it's unreasonable for one human being to bug another. But although anyone has the right to dislike another individual, it's totally irrational, patently insane to condemn an entire race, to despise an entire nation, to vilify an entire religion. Sooner or later, we must learn to judge each other on our own merits. Sooner or later, if man is to ever be worthy of his destiny, we must fill our hearts with tolerance. For then, and only then, will we be truly worthy of the concept that man was created in the image of God. A God who calls us all his children. Stanley. That's it, gentlemen. All right. <clears throat> so, I mean, I hope that by the time that this episode releases, things would have calmed down. Um, so, too. Please also, you know, every one of you fans that do listen to us, know that these are our opinions. Everyone's entitled to their opinions, and I hope that we haven't insulted or offended anyone. Um, but I, more, more importantly, I hope that you're willing to hear us out as we are willing to hear, you know, at least I am, you know, willing to hear everyone else out. And I hope that you would do the same, you know, out there, you know, so that like we can have progress um, each and every day of our lives. Right. So just keep that in mind and just be kind to one another. And on the, the same token, no matter what I've said today, that was my opinion. There's a, there's a lot of emotion that goes into this. 
uh, as somebody who, again, is a person of color. Um, but I'm, this is the message that I want to give off to everyone. There's one thing that's not excusable, no matter what I've said today. You should not attack any human being. I don't care if it's a police officer. I don't care who it is. Unless you are defending yourself, you do not attack another human being. You do not harm another human being. You do not injure or try to kill another human being because that is another human being. And that's the point. So speak out for yourself. Speak out for what you believe is injustice that you've lived through for your whole lives. But don't make it about harming another person because it's an institution. And wherever that institution lives, it's not a person. It's not an individual that's responsible for it. So don't make it about that. Let's let's respect our police officers, the ones that are actually in many cases trying to keep these protests safe and trying to join these protests in order to, to help spread the message of those protests, people who are really on our side. Let's defend those people and let's defend all human beings and let's make sure that this doesn't become about inflicting violence on other people because the reality is that that is definitely true. To harm another human being in this instance, it's not the answer. Sounds right. good. I mean, you know, this this episode was, I guess, kind of cathartic for all of us here. Um, you know, we've we've been struggling under the the quarantine, I guess, if you want, if you want to say. I'm just gonna say this: um, don't be silent. But don't when you have these discussions and 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 you go about it, do it respectfully. Be kind and. You know, your opinions matter just as lives matter. But we have to have it. We have to continue to have this conversation. And it's got to be a respectful one because you're never going to get anywhere by shouting over each other. That that if just anybody, never works. If anybody so, is tr clearly trying to instigate, just step away. Step yeah. away. Just make sure just, you're safe and step away from the situation or somebody's clearly trying to instigate. You know what your principles and morals are. You know what you believe. And if somebody is just pushing at them to troll you, just step away from it. Don't 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 react to it. All right. This has this has been quite the conversation. And for those of you that took the time to listen to us today, we want to thank you for taking the time again to listen to our opinions on this matter. Those fans of of, of ours that are interested in hearing our opinions on this, we want to thank you for that. As usual. Um, we do hope that you are able to like, share, rate, and subscribe our podcast. We appreciate any exposure we get for our past podcast about all things geeky. We appreciate if you would share today's podcast just as, just as well, uh, where we changed gears a little bit. Um, and by the way, I do want to say this is not some uh, change on the format of the podcast. Again, this is a little bit of a catharsis for all of us. This is something that we all needed to deal with personally, and I hope you excuse us for that as well, because there's a lot going on right now, and we have to process it as human beings. But we still want to bring you like all the awesome geeky stuff. It's not going to turn into a political podcast. We will continue to report on all the geeky stuff that you love. So for those of you that came this far and and went down another path with us again. We thank you very, very much. Um, and that's it. Thanks very much. Uh, look us up on all your favorite podcast plat podcast platforms as usual, the Stitchers, the Spotify's, the Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iTunes. Uh, like, rate, share, and subscribe. And from all of us at the Get Geek Podcast, I want to say, as usual, stay geeky, my friends. But I also want to say, 
Stay safe, my friends. Thank you.